once again, eschatological means study of the end times, right? Okay, this is his second eschatological vision, and it happens uh, <coughs> <coughs> what? Yes. At Gmail. Okay. All right. And this one happens in the first year of of the reign of Belshazzar. How many of you know who Belshazzar is? Anybody? Belshazzar. No, that's Darius. This is Belshazzar. How many of you remember the story of the handwriting on the wall? Ah, this is the king. Is, we are in the midst of his reign, which only lasts about 30 years. We're in the midst of his, no, three years, sorry. We're in the midst of his reign, Belshazzar's reign. And he, um, yeah, he's, he's a naughty man. He's not a good man. Um, he was nowhere near as awesome as, as Nebuchadnezzar. Definitely not as awesome as Jesus. Not even close. But he's not even as good as, as good old Nebi. He's not even that good. Um, You want to try and let's see if can you hook this up to the network and you can just use this. Just, just mirror it. Okay, so Belshazzar was the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar, and his dad was kind of a wimp and not a great guy and and whatever. And then Belshazzar becomes king, and Belshazzar was a a debauched, sex-fiend, alcoholic fool, and it's the truth. And this is during the first year of Belshazzar's reign. Daniel is now in his 80s, okay? And he is still in a high place in the Babylonian kingdom. So he is still well-respected and known, and, uh, and you know he's been doing a really good job for 50 years of running Babylon. So, yeah, that's where we're at. Okay, and this is in the first year of Belshazzar's reign, blah, 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 blah. 20, uh, Nebuchadnezzar died about 20 years before this, but it's been 50 years since the vision in Daniel 2. So, now this one, Belshazzar did not have this dream. Daniel had the dream this time, and he is telling us about his dream, and he is... Uh, he's going to, you know, lead us through this uh, uh, experience that he had. It's about, it's at this time, he has, the rest of his visions all happen while he's in his 80s. So if you don't have, like, massive world-changing visions, okay, when you're, you know, now in your 20s or before your 20s, don't be all freaked out. Daniel had the most important visions of his life when he was older, when he was, older than 80 years old. 
Okay, so that's, that's you know, think about that. It's going to be okay, right? What? Belshazzar, I don't know, look it up. Okay, so it was not the dementia. In fact, understand that these visions are so accurate that people nowadays claim that the book of Daniel was not written by Daniel. It was written after all of this stuff took place. Because they're saying there's no way that, this, that these kind of accurate you know, things could have come from somebody you know, hundreds of years before they happened. Well, guess what they did? They did. These visions took place hundreds of years before the things that he saw actually happened. There you go. Cool. You're good. So we're going to skip. Gonna, all right, we're going to keep going. No, don't do that. Hit the, hit the side. And hopefully this won't shut down for us. Okay. All right. Okay, keep going. Keep going. One more. Uh, did we ever show that one? That's the that's the giant rock. That's the giant rock that crushed it. Whoa, whoa, yeah. See, it, it, the giant rock comes and crushes the whole the, the authority of man. All right, so let's go. Next one. It was Dwayne Johnson. Da Daniel chapter 7. Now, Daniel has a dream and a vision. We're going to go to the next one. Daniel has, uh, Daniel sees the four winds. Okay. <clears throat> stirring the seas. Now, this is, remember, Daniel sees the four winds stirring up the seas. Okay. Now, what's the wind? The wind is the Holy Spirit. God, God is saying to Daniel, this is going to look really chaotic. This is going to look really nuts. But I am in charge, Daniel. Don't be afraid. I know what I'm doing. Relax. It's going to be all right. Okay. And so Daniel sees that happening and he's very excited about it. The winds are stirring up the seas. And the sea in the Bible is almost always a picture of the mass of humanity. Okay, so God is breathing on the oceans of, of humankind, and in the midst of his breathing, four beasts arise. So that's the next, that's the next one, four, four beasts. Okay, in the midst of his, uh, of, 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 of the breathing on the, you know, the four beasts come out of, come out of the sea. Now we're going to go look at the four beasts. Okay, the first one is like a lion, okay? And it is representative of Babylon. That's why I put the two together. He's like a lion, but he has the wings of an eagle. Okay, so the lion is the king of beasts. He's wild and strong. He's majestic and furious. He's an apex predator. All right, understand. This, this lion was, you know, the tippy top. All right, he was the, the most powerful. Remember, he's the head of gold. He's majestic, he's beautiful, he's powerful, and he has wings, which means he moves really fast. It's a symbol of swiftness, of conquest and rulership. Not only that, but the eagle in the Bible is a symbol of the prophetic. Okay, there's a reason there are these are the wings of an eagle. The eagle is a symbol of the prophetic. The eagle is the only animal that can stare into the sun. I think that's really awesome. The eagle has a special membrane that can go over its eyes and it can stare into the sun and see details of the sun. It has one of the most powerful eyes in the whole animal kingdom. And he and, and the eagle is a symbol of the prophetic. And remember what happened? 
Nebuchadnezzar had a dream about the future. Okay, this is a symbol telling us, it's the wings of an eagle, it's a symbol telling us that this, this kingdom has prophetic significance and power. It also accomplishes swiftly, it moves swiftly. Okay, and he says, I kept looking until its wings were plucked. And it was lifted up from the ground and made to stand on two feet like a man. A human mind was giving to it. So the power was not yet diminished, but the speed of conquest was removed. And we see this in the history of, of Babylon, where they, they were conquering, 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 and all of a sudden the conquering stopped. You know, armies were pushing them back, whatever. So they just said, okay, we're going to just kind of chill. We're, we're going to just rule the empire that we have. They were no longer swift. Not only that... But the revelation of God to King Nebuchadnezzar was ripped away because if you know the story about King Nebuchadnezzar's later life, he got, he got filled with pride and God, turned, God made him insane for seven years. He was eating grass. Okay, I'm, I'm serious. Eating grass like a cow. I mean, that's what, that's what was happening to him. And, and Daniel saw him do that. And then afterwards, he gained real wisdom for the rest of his rule. And that's what Daniel says. Now, Daniel had seen all this happen to Babylon. And now he's seeing in the dream, he's seeing that that, that happened to Babylon. Okay, so um, wisdom was given to it that it didn't have before. At the end of Nebuchadnezzar's life, he grew wise, although later, the later kings of, the, of this were fools. And behold, another beast, the second one. Okay, and this beast was... Uh, and resembled uh, a second one, resembling a bear. It was raised up on one side, and three ribs were in its mouth between its teeth. And thus they said to it, "Arise and devour much meat." Okay. So well, I would like that command to be given to me at some point. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Josh, arise and devour much meat. Yes, I will. <laughs> okay. So. Uh, this is the bear. It's, this is the kingdom of the Medes and the Persians like we talked about before. Okay. Um, uh, again, this is the one that we saw in 300. Um, it raised up on one side. seems to mean that it had been sitting in a position of rest. And then now it's reaching out for new conquest. That's also what the three ribs in its mouth are about. Uh, it had laid dormant for a while, eating its, eating its prey. Okay. And now even while it's still... Devouring its prey, it's been called to rise and devour more meat. Okay, it said, get up and keep moving. And that's what the Medo-Persian Empire did. Once, they, once they, they got to a certain size and they stopped for a moment, and then they conquered Babylon next. Okay, it was after that. And once they conquered Babylon, they didn't stop until Alexander came and crushed them. Okay, and, and well, you know, we saw the Greeks were the only people who were able to hold them at bay. Every other nation that the Medo-Persians went against, they, they took over, okay? And even the Greeks were almost destroyed there for a while. That, that war was an unbelievably powerful war, yeah. The, Greek, the, the, the whole Greek-Persian war, like the Greeks holding them back, kind of makes sense because, like, in our study of... Um, what did you do? Oh, uh, in our study of... What do you think? <laughs> Tim's the best. Anyway. Well. Start here, maybe? Yes. I, say, I would say that's probably the best idea. You bought options also. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Really? My phone hasn't stopped going off all morning, so I just finally I'm hit sorry, my breaking Tim. point. <laughs> no, you guys were the least annoying. Oh, okay. 
Five people going. The admin network's not working. We're gonna we're gonna connect it to Brandon, I think. Yeah. Oh, let's go. It was the network that wasn't working. That's kind of comforting. It makes Josh probably feel a little. Are you better. having fun? I'm loving my job today. <laughs> go ahead. I'm sorry. Okay, so I'm saying. Oh, wait, we were reading um, our book, Christ and the Gospels, and one of the points that it made is like the Roman Empire and the Greek language were two tools used by God to spread the gospel. Very, very true. And so, like, it kind of makes sense that Greek was the only one that could hold them back because God wanted to use that for the language. Um, yeah, that makes perfect sense. That, actually. That, that the Bible was, you know, written in to spread it so wide because that was the uh, very widely spread language. So that just kind of clicked in my brain there. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Isn't it awesome to watch God's sovereign control over over history? It kind of makes me scared. It's, why? Because, <laughs> like, well, I mean, like, it's, like, scared. I'm like a healthy fear of the Lord. You know what I mean? There it is. Like a good, We're good. Like a good reminder that he's got this, but then he's Yes, exactly. And I love it. Yeah. But, like, Constantinople actually used Christianity for, like, uh, negative reasons, more for political power. Would that still have... That's true of Rome also. Hmm? That's true of Rome also. So, so I was going to say, so, like... Was, was, was that still be God play right there? Or? God is in God is in sovereign control of history. Okay. But people make really dumb decisions. Good. Just like yeah. Solomon. Okay. You know. I, thank you, Tim. You're the man. We love you. I now have every app adapter. That's good. Display that. That's good. I could never possibly. Need. <laughs> oh, good. I'm sure. I'm not saying you won't need it. <laughs> I'm actually going to put do not disturb on my phone now, so I will be unavailable. The Bible says that God raised up Babylon. The Bible says that God raises up the different... Now, God raised up Babylon to to destroy, to, to punish Israel, and then God punished Babylon for being too harsh with Israel. Okay, so do you see the... Do you see? God is sovereign. God has sovereign control over history. But God, but, but humans make foolish, okay. s- sinful decisions in the midst. Now, did God know they were going to make those decisions? Yes, he did. But it's still their decision to make. And was he sovereign over those decisions? Yes, he was. But they still made them. So, uh, you know, that's that we're getting to the, we're going to get back to Calvinism if you push me much further than that. Okay, but Medo-Persia. Okay, so Medo-Persia is the bear. All right. From uh, 539 to 331. Remember, if we're before Christ, we go backwards in numbering. As we <coughs> and then once we pass Christ, we go the other way. We, you know, add up. No, but we can we can count the years. They actually, the Babylonians and the and and the Persians actually kept really good records. Like we could tell you who owned what parcels of land. Okay, and especially in Babylon and in Assyria and in many, the the way they kept records was they they had clay tiles that they would write on, and then they would bake them so they were permanent. And we just found the library of Nineveh. By the way, a city that archaeologists tried to tell us over and over again did not exist. That the the Bible was mistaken. That whatever. And then, oops, we found Nineveh. Oh, oops. <laughs> well, first they found. First they said that the Assyrians never existed, and Nineveh is the capital city of Assyria. First they said the Assyrians never existed. Then, oops, we found the Assyrians. Then they said Nineveh never existed, and oops, we found Nineveh. 
And not only that, with within the library of Nineveh, we find the only extra biblical mention of King David. Oh, no, the Bible might just be right. Okay, duh. I just get so mad at these these people. Well, you know, the Bible is just it's mythical. No, it's not. It's It was a historical account of what was going on, and we can we can trust it. But, of course, they don't like that. Yeah, and, and Daniel wasn't written until hundreds of years after Daniel died, too. So, um, anyway, did you guys read about the little fragment of Mar- of the Gospel of Mark they found? That is like the oldest fragment ever. It's it's from like AD 80. Okay. And most most uh, non-Christian scholars believed that the book of Mark was written like uh, by much, much later people, like 150 years after Christ. And they were just making it up pretty much. Um, even though the epistles mention the gospels and, and whatever. And and this this is a a copy of Mark that was found in Egypt written 80 years after the birth of Christ. It's only 50 years after Jesus' death. Okay. Not only that, how did it make its way all the way from like Judea to Egypt? Hello. There must have been much, much earlier copies of it if it's already in Egypt 50 years after Jesus' death. Think about it. No. Oh, no. The Library of Alexandria was all scrolls and papyrus, and it got flooded. Um, now, it actually got torn apart over years and years and years, but mo- a lot of it got flooded. And then people saved some of it, but then there was a fire. Okay, and so more of it was destroyed. It's pretty amazing, um, actually. Well, part there was more than one fire. One fire was an accident. Later fires were actually set by Muslim invaders who were taking over Egypt and they said these scrolls don't have anything to do with Islam so we're going to burn them all I know it it hurts doesn't it as a person that loves history it's just like (laughs) okay so here we go now this vision is is an overview of the entire end times by the way so just really from Daniel's time all the way until the rule of Christ it is the vision again of of the statue. That's why I'm that's why I'm putting these two together because he sees the same empires. We just learn more about them. Okay, in this vision and they they look different, but they are the same. They correspond to one another. All right, so then he says, uh, after this I kept looking in the night visions, behold, a fourth beast. Oh, wait a minute. Did I get that far? Third. Okay, after this I kept looking, behold, Another one, like a leopard, which had on its back four wings of a bird. Notice, not an eagle. The beast also had four heads, and dominion was given to it. Okay, this is Greece, specifically under Alexander the Great and after. Okay, Greece wasn't really a world empire until Alexander the Great made it an empire. And Alexander the Great came four. It's just folded back here. Okay, I think you said three minutes. No, four. Okay, so if Babylon was fast with two wings, how much faster is a four-winged creature, right? I mean, that's the idea, right? It's much, much faster, much, much, and, but it's, it's not as strong or as glorious as a lion. It's not as beautiful as Babylon was, okay? And it, but it is, but it's similar, okay? So it's, it's, it's a leopard, isn't it pretty? And here it comes. 
This is Greece under Alexander the Great. Yes. Well, beginning with Alexander the Great, because he died when he was 38, I think. Uh, he was now he was a uh, no 38. Um, he was an alcoholic, and most people think he died from cirrhosis of the liver. So, well, and you, know, you don't you never know. Um, so this is the Greek kingdom by Alexander the Great. The leopard is considered next in dignity to the lion. It's clever and sneaky. Okay, and and the. Uh, you know, Alexander was very, very clever, the greatest military leader in the history of the world by far. Four wings, so he's twice as fast as the lion. Four heads. Okay, you know, uh, Jonathan, do you know why it has four heads? Uh, no, no, no. Ooh, can I try this one? Yeah. After um, after Alexander the Great, it split four, four, four Exactly parts. correct. Oh, Alexander wow. the Great died and they were begging him to name his successor on his deathbed and he looks at them and he said cry havoc and set loose the dogs of war and then he dies okay because he was like nobody's gonna rule my whole kingdom i did this myself i did this myself nobody's taking this from me i'm not gonna hand this off to somebody so his four generals each took a piece of alexander's empire and ruled it among themselves that's why it has four heads okay very good um, I'm not going to name them off because they have really weird names and whatever. Maybe we'll do that some other time. Okay. Next. After this, I kept looking in the night visions. Behold, a fourth beast. Wait. Oh, I'm sorry. Wait. Okay. Wait. <laughs> yep. I thought this one was funny. That's why I picked it just for you, Steve. There's, there's a bunch of different, because Daniel doesn't describe this beast like, like it doesn't look like any beast he recognized. So, so I picked this particular. What? What are you calling that? That's a Stevosaurus Rex. It's the fourth beast. It's just the fourth beast. Great and terrible. It's Rome. All right, let's back. Okay. Well, he didn't. Daniel didn't know. Daniel didn't know what to call it. He had never seen a beast like this before, so he couldn't say it was a lion or a leopard or whatever. He had never seen a beast like this. All he could say was it was dreadful and terrifying and strong, and it had iron teeth. Remember, iron. Iron was the legs of iron and the feet of iron and clay. Okay, the iron teeth, with um, large iron teeth. With, it devoured and crushed and trampled down the remainder with its feet. This is Rome. It took over everything that all of these other empires had already taken over and more. It, be, it was dreadful. It was terrifying. It was the most dreadful conquest in human history. And Rome was the, the, the wall of iron that just blanketed the entire known world uh, it, during the, the, the time that it was there. And it also was the, mo the longest empire and is still, uh, obviously, like I said, it is still continued on until this day. You know, we still, Rome is still a part of who we are. Extremely strong. Iron is hard and unyielding. Large iron teeth is the picture from the statue. Strong, beyond strong. Devoured and crushed and trampled. The Roman Empire, the Roman empire didn't just conquer, it made people Roman. Okay, it didn't just say, now you have to pay us tribute, which is what all the other empires had done before. The Roman Empire sent people in and made you Roman. It would 
build its own buildings in your midst. It would set up its own culture in your midst. It would establish the worship of its gods in your midst. None of the empires prior to this did any of those things. They would conquer you and say, okay, you can leave your normal kingdom intact, but I want you to pay us money. Okay, Rome did that, but it went beyond that. It built roads. It, it, you know, it, it changed everything about their culture. They were massive. They were trampled underneath the feet of the Roman Empire. And it was different from the four beasts that were before it. Okay, it had ten horns. This is what the, uh, remember the ten toes? It had ten horns. All right? It is as we say this that Daniel's vision begins to switch from ancient Rome to the new Rome that's coming. So go ahead and hit to the next, the next one. There we go. Ten, ten horns. Okay, ten kingdoms, ten toes. Remember on the on the on the thing. So this goes from the legs of iron to the feet of iron and clay. All a, an outgrowth of the same empire, but different in many many ways. When I was contemplating the horns, behold. Okay, this is our the first appearance of Antichrist in the uh, in Daniel's visions. Okay, while I was contemplating the horns, behold, another horn, a little horn. Hit the next one. Oh wait a minute, the last beast, ten horns, a little horn. I forgot about those. I should be keeping up on my thing so that I know for sure. A little horn. <laughs> Isn't that cool? I love this picture. <laughs> it's like, ah! <laughs> okay, shh. A little horn came up among them, and three of the first horns were pulled out by the roots before it. And behold, this horn possessed eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth uttering boasts. It's another dinosaur there for you, Stephen. Yeah, and eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth uttering boasts, okay? This little horn was very, very different. This is Antichrist. So this would be the 11th horn, right? No. Well, yes, it's an, it's an 11th horn, but three of the other horns were uprooted in front of it. So now this beast only has eight horns left. So this little horn comes up, uproots three of the horns, and, and it is prominent. Yeah. Do you think that represents the uprooting three nations? It, um, we'll talk about it when we get to Antichrist. Okay. Antichrist will kill three of the kings that, uh, that are involved in the, in the last thing. Brandon. Uh, the ESV says great things. Is that like it takes it to Revelation 13, 5, where it says body of blasphemous. Yes. Is that like the same thing? It's just yes. defiling. Boasts blasphemous speech, uh, uttering, I mean, he's Nimrod all over again. He's, he is saying, we will throw off the rulership of all gods. We will be a God unto ourselves. And we'll, we'll talk about this more when we get to Antichrist, um, which I, we're going to spend probably an hour just on him when we get to seal number one, because he's, he's a big deal. Okay. <laughs> take the scroll open the seals take the scroll people get ready okay so I will leave the rest of the interpretation until uh, uh, until the angel interprets for us at the end of the chapter let's go to verse 9 
Okay. And I kept looking until thrones were set up and the ancient of days took his seat, his vesture like white snow and the hair of his head, like pure wool. His throne was ablaze with flames. Its wheels and uh, its wheels were a burning fire. Go to the next uh, sign. The Ancient of Days. Okay, so the courts are convened. Are you moving on to the... the Here's the, the Ancient vision? of Days. This is first... No, this is still the second vision. Okay. Okay. This is the Ancient of Days. This is God the Father. Okay. The Ancient of Days took his seat. His vesture was white like snow. And the hair of his head was pure, like pure wool. It might be Jesus, actually. But, uh, well, no. It's definitely God the Father because Jesus then later is brought to brought to him okay this is the scene of judgment at the end of the age thrones were set up means the court was convened okay so there's more than this is the jury being put in place do you know who is a part of the jury no us we are the jury the church is the jury we will judge the nations you and me we will be sitting there, resurrected beings in our perfected bodies. We will have ruled with Jesus for the last thousand years, and we will judge the nations as they come. We have already skipped the millennial reign. We've gone all the way past it. I thought we were priors. Yeah, I thought we were still yeah, priors. Yeah, yeah. So this is post no, no, no. This is this is. We've already, we did this huge fast forward. Okay. And, and, and we are at the end of the millennial reign. We've, all, we've gone all the way that far. And we are now sitting in judgment over the nations with God the Father and with Jesus. The Ancient of Days. God himself is the, most, is the most ancient one. That's why it's called the Ancient of Days. We will sit on the thrones that were set up. Us and angels. But it will be us. Okay. His vesture. Those are his, that's his robes. His clothing. Were white. Speaking of holiness and purity. His hair was white, which speaks of age and wisdom. And his throne was ablaze. He is a fiery, passionate lover. His heart is burning. And out from him comes, this is verse 10, a river of fire was flowing and it came out from before him. Thousands upon thousands were attending him. That's millions and millions, by the way. And myriads upon myriads were standing before him. And the court sat and the books were opened. Okay? This is the river of fire. I have no idea what that is. And I read about 20 different commentaries that all had kind of silly ideas. I don't know. The Bible does not really make it clear. But he is, he is a fiery lover. He is a passionate God. He is wildly passionate to all of his extremes. This is who he is. And he will sit in judgment over the history and the rulership of mankind forever. And he will say, and, he will, and each of the beasts comes up and is judged by him and by us. We're the jury. The throne okay? is what again? What does the throne represent? The throne is his authority. And it's on fire. Yes. And we'll get there later. When we do the book of Revelation, we'll talk about the, the great white throne of judgment. A river of fire. He was attended by an uncountable number. These are his servants and those that are... That, uh, so the, it says thousands upon thousands were attending him. Those are his servants. Okay. And myriads upon myriads were standing before him. Those are the people that are being judged. And we'll talk about that later, but that's, it's going to be unbelievable. The books were opened. The Bible talks about several books 
that God has. One of them is the Lamb's Book of Life. We know about that one. If you're saved, your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Okay? Uh, Malachi talks about a book of remembrance, okay, which has to do with people's deeds and the way that they served him in time. And, and we don't even know what other books are going to be open. We have no idea. The point is that, our, that the life of every person who has ever lived and died will be judged. Verse 11, then I kept looking because of the sound of the boastful words which the horn was speaking. I kept looking until the beast was slain and its body was destroyed and given to the burning fire. The Antichrist will be killed and put in the lake of fire. Before anybody else goes there, he will be put there. Yeah. No, he's killed by, by Jesus himself with the brightness of his coming. No, Jesus is going to walk up and be like, there's no battle. Are you kidding me? I don't want to be, there's no battle. Antichrist is nothing compared to Christ. Jesus comes and he's just like, you're done. So it won't be like he'll die, but then he'll still be alive, burning and suffering. Oh, of course, forever. Him and the, and the false prophet actually. But like I said, we'll talk about that later. Okay. So these other beasts will lose their, okay, uh, the sound of the boastful words, the horn was speaking. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, As for the rest of the beasts, their dominion was taken away, but an extension of life was granted to them for an appointed period of time. What this means, okay, so the other beasts will lose their power. They're no longer going to be empires, but they continue to exist in some form. And I think what that means is, you know, in the book of Revelation, it says every nation, tribe, and tongue will belong to him. So, the cultures of the earth will still exist. The natures of the earth will still exist for a time. And that is how these beasts are still kind of remaining. There are still Persians in the world. There are still, you know, uh, Iraq is Babylon. Okay. And they know that. And they still look back to that ancient culture. Okay. Um, all of the cultures of the earth will still exist in the millennial reign of Christ, but they will be serving him. He will be in charge. Okay. Um, that's, and that's what it means when it says the, the, the beasts will lose their power, but they'll continue to exist because the nations of the earth will still be here during the millennial reign of Jesus. He'll just be in charge of them all. Um, so then we get to verse 13. It says, I kept looking in the night visions. Behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming, and he came up to the ancient of days and was presented before him. This is the first time Jesus is mentioned in Daniel. Okay? Every time... Jesus' second coming is mentioned in Scripture. He comes in the clouds of heaven. I find that interesting. Okay? Jesus uh, quoted this verse in Matthew 24 and Mark 14, proclaiming that he was the one that would come on the clouds of heaven. He comes up before his Father God. He's presented and he's found worthy. Verse 14, And to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom that all the people's nations and men of every language might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which will not pass away. And his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. Amen. That is so good. Here comes Jesus set before the father and father says, yes, I dub thee king of the earth forever. And Jesus reign. This is the great rock that came and crushed the, the authority of man. Jesus is set up as the king over all things forever. It's so beautiful. He's given dominion, which is rulership authority. He's given glory, which is honor and a reputation. He's given a kingdom. All human beings now serve Christ. 
His authority never ends after that. His kingdom is not capable of being destroyed. Woohoo! I love it. That's so good. Okay. So we're still in chapter seven, uh, verse 15. As for me, Daniel, my spirit was distressed within me and the visions in my mind kept alarming me. Well, duh, right? I mean, <laughs> can you imagine having this vision? I've been thinking as I've been studying through these, like what it would be like to have this vision. I was in my office really late at night, one of these nights when I was just studying. And, and I just kept getting the feeling that Jesus with his burning eyes was like standing behind me and I would turn around and be like, ah, you know, like, I mean, can you imagine, can you imagine seeing these things? He saw the ancient of days and a river of fire coming out. Oh my gosh. Can you, can you imagine what this must've been like? So of course he was alarmed. Of course. Yes, we will. With our eyes. He was deeply troubled by these visions. He was stirred. He was shaken and he didn't understand them. You need to get this. Daniel did not understand the vision that he saw. He did it. Okay. I approached one of those who were standing by and began asking him the exact meaning of all this. Okay. Remember that he, as he's watching in the visions, there's millions of angels attending. Okay. Daniel just sidles up to one of them and is like, can you help me understand this? <laughs> so he wasn't like asking. Like, so he told me and made known to me the interpretations of these things. Okay. He was still in a visionary state in the spirit and angels are, given authority all through Daniel's visions, angels are given authority to explain the visions to him. Okay. Verse 17, these great beasts, he says, which are four in number are four Kings who will arise from the earth. But, uh, verse 18, but the saints of the highest one will receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom for all ages to come. That's a nice little synopsis. Sorry, say that one more time. Okay. He says, these great beasts, which are four, are four kings who will arise from the earth. And this, but the saints of the highest one will receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever for all ages to come. That's a synopsis of the vision. Okay. These are all kings that will rise, but at the end, God's going to take over and it's going to be awesome. That's the overview. And it's the point of the vision. The saints of the highest one will possess the kingdom forever. That's why he saw it. That's the idea. That's the point. Yeah. Translation. Uh, New American Standard. Then I desired to know the exact meaning of the fourth beast, which was different from the others, exceedingly dreadful with its teeth of iron and claws of bronze, and which devoured and crushed and trampled down the remainder with its feet. And I wanted to know the meaning of the ten horns that were on its head and the other horn which came up, before which three fell, namely that horn which had eyes and a mouth uttering great boasts, and which was larger in appearance than its associates. I kept looking, and that horn was waging war with the saints and overpowering them until the Ancient of Days came and judgment was passed in favor of the saints of the highest one. And the time arrived when the saints took possession of the kingdom. So the fourth beast really is the one that shook him up. You know, the others were like, oh, that's kind of cool. The fourth one scared him. He said it was dreadful and terrible. And so it, he said... You know that last beast, I really want to know what's happening. Specifically, I want to know about that last horn, which when I saw it, was making war against the saints and winning. Daniel's like, that's not okay. He was making war with the saints and he was winning. You need to help me understand this, angel. And the angel's like, relax, 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 okay? He said, the fourth beast will be a fourth kingdom on the earth, which will be different from all the other kingdoms and will devour the whole earth and tread it down and crush it. This beast was not like anything anyone had ever seen. Okay, The other beasts were familiar, even if, even if they were ferocious, lion, bear, leopard. We know those beasts. This one, he had ne he'd never seen anything like this. Okay, 
Those others were kingdoms that he, you know, they, they're familiar. It makes, they look normal. This was something different, out of the ordinary, much scarier than the other ones. In, in the book of Revelation, he's pictured as almost a dragon. In the book of Revelation, he has seven heads. So that's, you know, that's not described in Daniel, but. We will have never seen anything like this kingdom. Exceedingly strong and terrible. The kingdom starts out as ancient Rome. We know that from the descriptions in Daniel 2 and from later in Daniel, which we'll get to, but it extends to the end time Antichrist kingdom, which is a revived Roman Empire. Rome has never been surpassed in strength or size or duration. It devoured and tread down and crushed everything it came in contact with. And the kingdom of the Antichrist will go further. The evil of the Antichrist kingdom will supersede anything in human history. Hitler, Stalin, you name it, none of them are as evil as this man will be. We see God unleashing judgment in a way unlike anything we have ever seen in the history of the world. But there is a purpose. The evil that he is unleashing it on is greater than anything we've ever seen. Understand that. Verse 24. I was thinking when when I was reading that Hitler, Stalin, etc. I, I was thinking of of Vicini from the uh, from the Princess Bride. Where he's like, he's like, have you heard of Aristotle, Socrates, morons, right? So, yeah. <laughs> okay. sorry, I had to just, just heard of Hitler, Stalin, they're panty wastes. Okay, this guy is going to be unbelievable. The most evil man in the history of the world. The most powerful man in the history of the world. As for the ten horns, out of this kingdom ten kings will arise, and another will arise after them, and he will be different from the previous ones, and he will subdue three kings. Okay, the ten horns are ten kings. We talked about that. Arising out of that kingdom. They're not ten kings in a row. These are ten kings that will rule together. Okay, they will rule together. This is how we know we've not seen this part of the Roman Empire yet because we haven't seen ten kings ruling together. Do you think that could be like a United Nations type of thing? Very possibly. The little horn will arise after them. So they will be ruling together. Then this little horn will arise. It's a little horn. At first, it will not be super powerful. It'll be small on the political scene when it first comes up. Okay, He will not begin as a powerful leader. He'll begin small in the midst of the ten kings. Three of the first horns will be uprooted before it. He will kill three of the ten kings that are ruling and take their, their nations from them. He will take their power from them. Okay, He possessed eyes like a man. He has intelligence and foresight. And he had a mouth that uttered boastful things. He will speak high and stirring rhetoric. Again, the talk of Nimrod and Babel. We will build a city. We will build a tower to heaven. We will gain ourselves a name. That's what it says in Genesis 11. That's what the people, that's what Nimrod is saying to the people in that time. Human power and glory over that of the Most High. He is the manifestation, the incarnation of the spirit of Antichrist. Even as Jesus is the incarnation of God the Father. Antichrist will be the incarnation of the spirit of of the spirit of Antichrist, which is Satan himself. He will be evil in flesh. Yeah. Do you think this man could have already been born? Possibly. Yeah. 
That's a great question, and I don't know. That's a really great question. No, seriously. Do, do, does the Antichrist know he's the Antichrist from the moment he's born? And I don't think, I don't think he does. I don't think he does. I, I really don't. I think the Antichrist will be totally bought in to his own glory. I think he, at, at least at first, will totally believe that he's the savior of mankind. Maybe even the Messiah. Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh, I think he will be possessed by the devil when he rises from the dead. But we'll, we'll get there. Yeah. We'll get there. So many links. We're not even close. Wait until we get to the first seal and we really talk about Antichrist. It's scary. Okay. All right. But the court will sit. Okay, wait a minute. Okay, hold on. Verse 25. He will speak out against the Most High and will wear down the saints of the Highest One, and he will intend to make alterations in times and in law, and they will be given into his hand. Ready for this? For a time, times, and half a time. What? It's very important. For a time, times, and half a time. A time, times, and half a time. Pay attention. That's a really important part. So repeat that. I'm sorry. I have to type this. If you want my notes, I will email them to you. I thought about printing them off, but there's 50-some pages. I was not. I just wasn't going to do it. I feel you pay more attention So, he will speak out against the Most High. Wear down the saints of the Ancient One. Uh, he will intend to make alteration in times in the law. And they will be given into his hand. For time, times, and half a time. Okay, this means three and a half years, but I'll tell you that in a second. This is the boastful language of Antichrist. He's speaking out against the Most High. He's belittling the glory of God. What was that? What is he going to have for three and a half years? That's what I'm we'll get there. Okay. He will make war against the saints, and he will win for a time. For a time, times, and half a time. Three and a half years. Okay, the Bible talks about this period of history that we call the Great Tribulation. And it uses different language over in a bunch of different places. A time, time, and half a times, which is three and a half years, 1,260 days, 42 months. Okay, there's several different ways that the Bible describes this three and a half years that the Antichrist will be the ruler of the world. Okay? That's going to be one heck of a three and a half years. He will wear down the saints. He will make war on the saints. And he was winning until judgment came from the Ancient of Days. He intends alterations in times. That means feasts, holidays, calendars. You know that there's a bunch of, of other calendars out there in the world that, that you know, we want to. Uh, Julius Caesar is the one that invented the calendar we have now. That's why it's called the Julian calendar. Okay. He invented the calendar we have now. But the Antichrist will change the calendar. Beginning with himself. This is year one of the new era on planet Earth. My era. Year one of 
Understand, do you know what do you know what our current time is called? What does AD stand for, anyone? Wrong. It does not mean after death. Anno Domini, which means the year of our Lord. Okay? Will the Antichrist be okay with it being called the year of our Lord? No, he will not. He will stand up and say, it's not the year of that Lord anymore. It's the year of this Lord. And it's year one. Yeah. My question is, okay, so you know how they've already changed it to like BCE and combination. They haven't changed. It's just what people use now. But it's still the same time. Right. It's the same time, but what I'm saying, like, you think he's going to go off with that? No. I think he will say, we're ending one calendar and beginning a new one. No, I mean year one. This is year one. No, that's, I know that's what you meant, but I'm like, but you think he'll use terms like common era before common era to like try to swoop around Christianity or... Or is he going to be like, that common era stuff is crap? No, they're already doing that. But, you know, the, and, and he didn't, isn't going to start that. He, but he, I think he will start a new calendar, completely new. And he'll outlaw any holidays that aren't related to himself. Okay? He'll wear down the saints. He'll make war on the saints. Da, 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 da. Okay, in law, over and in regards to religion in particular. So who you can worship or what you can worship, again, in Rome... Again, Rome did all this, and the Antichrist will do more. Yeah. <coughs> That's a great question. Nobody Next question. Nobody knows the time or day. My personal opinion is that we will be here. Okay, that's my personal opinion. That's what I see in Scripture. But as we go through these different Scriptures, that's why I'm teaching you through... Uh, like we do, like we do in our normal classes, where I'm going verse by verse through, because I I want to give you the different interpretations that come out of these verses. Okay, not just mine, but different ones. Yes. We won't know for sure until the abomination which causes desolation. But I'll get we'll get there later. Okay, it's like I said, we're, we've got a lot of ground to cover. The court will sit for judgment, and his dominion will be taken away, annihilated, destroyed forever. In the end, he will be removed by God, and he will be destroyed and be put in the lake of fire. Verse 27, the sovereignty, the dominion, and the greatness of all of the kings kingdoms under the whole of heaven will be given to the people of the saints of the highest one. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom, and all the dominions will serve and obey him. Jesus, We will rule with Jesus all of the earth for all of time. Okay, verse 28, the last... Uh, verse in this thing. At this point, the revelation ended. As for me, Daniel, my thoughts were greatly alarming me, and my face grew pale, but I kept the matter to myself. So he didn't run out and say, I've seen the future! He just he just kept it. He just wrote it down and said, oh my gosh. Now, I want to bring... I, I, wanna do, I do want to say this. If you have dreams, you need to write them down, especially if you think they have prophetic significance, okay? The Lord speaks through dreams. What if Daniel had never written this down? <laughs> okay, I mean, we wouldn't have it. So he wrote it down, and we're all very, very glad that he did. Oh, and I'm out of breath. All right, what's next? The Son of Man, we already talked about that. Daniel 8. Here we go. More about the final beast. This is the third vision. This is the third vision, the third eschatological vision of Daniel. I am just exhausted right now. 
But we're about to we're about to have lunch. I wanted to be all the way through Matthew twenty four by now, so <laughs> actually we're gonna use all the way through Thessalonians. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I know, and part of it was the computer problems, but um we got that figured out. Okay. More about the final beast. Oh, Let's, so this isn't a separate vision? This is a, this is a se- separate vision, but it is specifically about Antichrist. Go ahead and hit the next button. Okay, Daniel has another dream. Okay, next one. Daniel sees two goats. And this is chapter 9. This is chapter 8. Okay. And here's the picture of the two goats. Okay. I was supposed to say Oh, no, 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 just wait a minute. No, it is a ram. The Bible calls it a ram. Okay. It's a unigoat. All right. The first goat. Go ahead and hit, the, hit it twice because it just says the first goat, and then it goes, zooms in on the first goat. Okay. I don't think that's, I think that's it until we're done. Okay. We're just, we're talking about the first goat now. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the vision to you. Okay. Uh, in the third year, this is two years after his last vision uh, of Belshazzar, the king, a vision appeared to me subsequent to the one which appeared to me previously. I looked in the vision, and while I was looking, I was in the citadel of Susa, which is the province of Elam. Now, you need to understand that Susa was not in Babylon. That's where he was. Susa was in Persia. So in the dream, he's in Persia. Now, why would he be in Persia? Babylon was still around. Okay, so God was showing him something. Soon, you're going to be moving to Persia. Because that was going to happen very soon. That's the end of Belshazzar's reign is when when the Medo-Persians took over Babylon. Okay? Remember, that's what their handwriting on the wall was. Your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. That's what it said. Mini, mini, tekel, ufarsin, right? That's what is, was written as, in his Hebrew for you have been weighed and measured and found wanting and, you've been, and your kingdom has been given to the Persians. So, um, and I looked in the vision and I myself was beside the Ulai Canal. I don't know why that's important, but he, that's where he was. By the way, he, Daniel was buried in Persia. Okay. And the, the he's buried kind of on the, on the uh, both on, on the border between two nations, okay? And both nations wanted to claim him. So they buried him in a bridge over the, cana- the Uli Canal. Isn't that interesting? In a bridge. You can go see his, his, the bridge where he's buried. It's pretty interesting. He was, he was a, they recognized him as a prophet. They're pagan peoples, but they recognized him as a prophet even even then. Um, and he's, he is, Islam considers him a prophet as well. So I'm going to read the vision here and then we'll begin the interpretation. I lifted my eyes and looked and behold, a ram which had two horns was standing in front of the canal. Now the two horns were long, but one was longer than the other. And while the longer one, uh, with the longer one coming up last, I saw the ram budding westward, northward and southward, and no other beast could stand before him. Nor was there anyone to rescue from his power, but he did as he pleased and he magnified himself. While I was observing, beholding a male, behold, a male goat was coming from the west over the surface of the earth without touching the ground. 
and the goat had a conspicuous horn between its eyes. And he came up to the ram that had the two horns, which I had seen standing in front of the canal, and rushed at him in his mighty wrath. And I saw him come beside the ram, and he was uh, enraged at him. And he struck the ram and shattered the two horns, and the ram had no strength to withstand him. So he was hurled to the ground and trampled on him, and there was none to rescue the ram from his power. Then the male goat magnified himself exceedingly, but as soon as he was mighty, the large horn was broken, and in its place there came up four conspicuous horns towards the four winds of heaven. Out of one of them came forth a rather small horn, hmm, a little horn, hmm, which grew exceedingly great. I just lost my place. Towards the south and, and the east and towards the beautiful land, it grew up to the host of heaven and caused some of the host and some of the stars to fall to the earth, and it, was tra- and it trampled them down. It even magnified itself to be equal with the commander of the host. That's Jesus, by the way. And it removed the regular sacrifice from him, and the place of his sanctuary was thrown down. And on account of the transgression, the host will be given over to the horn, along with regular sacrifice, and it will fling truth to the ground and perform its will and prosper. Then I heard a holy one speaking, and another holy one said to the particular one who was speaking, How long will the vision about the regular sacrifice apply? While the transgressions cause horror, so as to allow both the holy place and the host to be trampled. And he said to me, for 2,300 evenings and mornings, then the holy place will be properly restored. Okay. My voice is going to give out before the end. What? Okay. Trying to decide because they're ready for us to do lunch. Uh, or at least I think so. Well, let's finish. We'll talk about the first goat, and then we'll... we'll Are we calling the first goat a ram, right? That's how we're... Whatever. It's the first goat. I'm just trying to... The two that goats. Guy. It's this guy, right here. Okay. When I, Daniel, had seen the vision, I sought to understand it. Behold, standing before me was one who looked like a man. I believe this was Jesus, by the way. And I heard the voice of a man between the banks of the Uli and called out and said, Gabriel, give this man an understanding of the vision. Now, can anybody command Gabriel but Jesus? No. So that's why I think it was Jesus that was there. And this is the first time Gabriel is mentioned in Scripture, FYI. Gabriel seems to have a connection to things that have to do with the Messiah. So watch that. Verse 17, he came near to where I was standing, and when he came, I was frightened and fell on my face. But he said to me, Son of man, understand that the vision pertains to the time of the end. The vision pertains to the time of the end. Remember that. It's important. Gabriel is so glorious that Daniel's freaked out by him, and he drops on his face. Okay, so it is at the, this vision is about the time of the end. This vision shows the path to Antichrist through Alexander, okay, who was also an Antichrist the enemy tried to raise up. This was not fulfilled earlier than that, even though there are those who believe that it was, and it actually was partially fulfilled earlier than this, but not fully. Verse 18, now when he was talking to me, I sank into a deep sleep with my face to the ground, but he touched me and made me stand upright. He said, behold, I'm going to let you know what will occur in the final period of the indignation, for it pertains to the appointed time of the end. 
So he's, he's strengthened by Gabriel in order to be able to hear this. And he's told, this is about the final period of indignation. Okay, the final period of indignation is the great tribulation, those three and a half years that we talked about before. I'll talk to you about why it was 2,300 days later. You can see it on that chart that I gave you, by the way. But Okay, this is the first mention of the abomination of desolation, which will be revealed much more fully later, and it totally, it's totally connected to Antichrist. Again, this is about the time of the end. Okay, he's told, told us two times now. This vision is about the time of the end. So all of these idiot Bible translators that say this was completely fulfilled by Antiochus Epiphanes are stupid. You don't know what I'm talking about, but you will soon, okay? There's a lot of Bible translators that said that this, all of this vision was fulfilled by a man who came before the time of Jesus. It cannot be so. So if you read that in a commentary, you need to say, Gabriel said this is about the time of the end. Okay? Twice he said it. Now, the ram which you saw with the two horns represents the kings of Media and Persia. It's the Medes and the Persians. God's not messing around anymore. Gabriel's like, it's the Medes and the Persians. Just FYI, Daniel, it's the Medes and the Persians. That's why you were standing in Susa, even though Babylon still exists at this time. You were standing in Susa in Persia. This is about the Medes and the Persians. Okay, great. That's great news. The shaggy goat. Okay, that's all we need to know about the ram, this guy. So the second goat. (laughs) Just hit it again, and there he is. Isn't he pretty? Okay. This is the second goat. The shaggy goat. Okay. Shaggy goat. What was it? Okay. This is the kingdom of Greece, and the large horn that is between his eyes is the first king, Alexander the Great. A notable horn, one of the most notable leaders in all of history, Alexander the Great. It's really kind of cool because late, when Alexander actually came to Israel, they showed him the book of Daniel and said, see, you're in there. This is you. And he was like, that's right, because I'm awesome, okay? <laughs> And actually, because of that, he didn't, he didn't destroy the kingdom, of, the kingdom of Israel. He could have. He didn't. He passed right on by because God had already said that he would come. And, and he honored the, the prophet Daniel by not destroying Israel. I think that's really interesting. He moved unbelievably fast. That's why he's not touching the ground. He's just, he's rocket goat, you know, just flying <laughs> over the, it's, he, his feet don't touch the ground. He's in, he's in midair there. And, and, and he moves so fast that his feet don't touch the ground. Uh, the, 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 the moving forward of Alexander's kingdom was so fast, lightning fast, faster than any other kingdom that has ever, ever in the history of the world, just blew through the kingdoms of this, of this earth like they were nothing. The broken horn and the four horns that arose in its place are four kingdoms which, uh, uh, which will arise from his nation, although not with his power. Okay, remember we... Uh, Scott already told us that, you know, when Alexander the Great got broken, when he died, that, that it got split to four other nations. Okay. So can, uh, did I, let's see, did, what did I do? All right. The notable horn. We talked about that. The four horns. Hit it again. We're going to look at this really ugly picture. (laughs) Isn't it ugly? (laughs) That's, That's the picture. That's the best picture I found of the, of the goat that's talking about Daniel 8. 
Now, this guy, that all of these, okay, are talking about Antiochus Epiphanes, okay, which we'll talk about. And this, this guy who made this picture does not believe that this is about the Antichrist. They believe all of this is about this guy and Antiochus Epiphanes. Okay, so don't read the things that are written around the picture there. I just thought it was a great picture. Wait, is the, is the Antiochus? This right here is the is Antiochus Epiphanes, right is here, because he came out as a Seleucid, a Seleucid Empire. Is that supposed to like foreshadow the Antichrist? Yes, very much, in, a, in, in incredible detail. In fact, he will set up an abomination in the uh, Holy of Holies, just like Antichrist will later. Okay, yeah, the, this guy is, does. Is that correct, though, the... Alexander the Great, the Grecian Empire. Uh, yes, all these are, these, are the four generals. These are the four. These are the four generals. Okay, uh, Cassander, Ptolemy, uh, Seleucus, and Lysimachus. Okay, they, they, those are the four. The four generals that took over his uh, his his kingdom. Okay, so Ptolemy Ptolemy ruled in Egypt. Uh, I don't remember, Lysimachus not not a big area. Seleucus took most of the ground, and he went. He went out um, like Syria, uh, basically the whole Middle East was ru was ruled by Seleucus, and then Cassander was more kind of uh, you know towards the other direction. But again, these two really weren't very powerful. It was these two, and they fought each other a lot. Okay, um, really important people uh, in the history of the world, but we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about them. Um, yeah, the little horn. Go back to our picture there. Just so that we've got that ugly guy in uh, in uh, in view. Just look at him. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, when Alexander died, he left no heir and appointed no successor. His general split the kingdom into four kingdoms. Okay, verse 23. In the latter period of their rule, when the transgressors have run their course, a king will arise Insolent and skilled in intrigue. Okay? It's the little horn. We've seen him as a little horn before. He's called the little horn again. Every time we see it spoken of the little horn, we're talking about Antichrist. Now, Antiochus Epiphanes, he, Antiochus IV, that was, he was the fourth in the line in, in, with the name Antiochus, but he called himself Epiphanes, which means the divine. He considered himself a god. Okay, He was a powerful manifestation of the spirit of Antichrist, but he was not the full manifestation of the spirit of Antichrist. How do we know? Because Jesus later says, when you see the abomination which causes desolation, okay, this guy came before Christ. He came to power in 175 BC, almost 200 years before Jesus was born, Antiochus Epiphanes was there, and Jesus still saw, still, still prophesied that the abomination which caused desolation was going to come. So we know that he didn't complete it all. We just, we, it's the truth, okay? So now the little horn, it's the same person. So now we know a little bit more about him. He's insolent. He's strong. He's mighty. He's fierce. He's skilled in intrigue. Okay, the, 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 the original word here means he's, he is discerning when it comes to riddles and mysteries. He's really good at, at you know, just fooling everybody and, and making everybody believe him. Oh, isn't that, you know, he just pulls them in. He sucks them in, you know, he's, he, that's who he is. Uh, he's good at fooling people, making them believe what he wants them to believe. Verse 9, out of one of them, 
This is the small horn, came around the small horn, which grew exceedingly great toward the south, toward the east, and toward the beautiful land. His kingdom will be great in these directions for his home, his home base is in Syria. That's, that is true of Antiochus, and that's probably where Antichrist will come from, that region, the Middle East. But Syria was ruled by the Roman Empire, so we're still in that, okay? He grew, uh, uh, it grew up to the host of heaven. Think about this. He grew up to the host of heaven, which could mean several things. It could mean kings and priests, but it also might mean heavenly beings. That he is, his power rises to the place where he is affecting heavenly beings. And when we get to him in Revelation, we will see that he is given the authority of Satan. And Satan is the ruler of one third of all angelic beings. Okay, he's, Satan gives him his power and authority, so that's what this means. And caused some of the hosts and some of the stars to fall to the earth and trampled them down. Stars in the Bible almost always refer to angels. The Antichrist is going to cause some angelic beings to fall to the earth, and he will trample them under his authority. This guy ain't kidding around. Revelation chapter 12 pictures a war in the heavenlies. As we move further in Daniel, we'll see that this war has specific ramifications regarding the Antichrist. Satan is thrown to the earth at the end of the war in the heavenlies. Demons come under the dominion of Antichrist when Satan willingly gives his power over to the Antichrist. Daniel was prophesying it 2,500 years before now. It even magnified itself, verse 11, it even magnified itself to be equal with the commander of the host. That's Jesus. He will proclaim that he is the Messiah. And it removed the sacrifice from him. Okay, this is, the, this is what we call the abomination which causes desolation. We will talk a whole lot about it later. Okay, and the place of the sanctuary is thrown down. The temple will be destroyed. And on account of transgression, the host will be given over, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so on account of transgression, as to Antiochus, uh, there was a specific transgression. It was uh, he, he ruled over a corrupt priesthood in, in the city of Jerusalem. Okay, The first attack of Antiochus against the Jews at this time was to settle a rivalry for the office of high priest. A pious high priest... Onius III was removed from office and was replaced by his brother Jason because Jason bribed Antiochus. Then in 172 BC, another brother, Melanaeus, gave Antiochus an even bigger bribe and replaced Jason. A year later, Melanaeus started selling many of the temple's gold utensils to raise money to pay off the bribe. <laughs> and Onius III rebuked him and Menelaus had him murdered, had the pious priest Onius III murdered. Meanwhile, Jason gathered armies and fought against Menelaus to regain the office of high priest. Antiochus came to Jerusalem to defend the man who had paid him the bigger bribe. Okay. On account of Antichrist, it was possibly because of the denial of Christ and the completely evil state of the world at that time. That's, that's because, it, he said, because of the transgression, the host will be given over. Antichrist is a judgment upon the world. He is the first seal. Evidence of Romans 1, where God gives rebellious, ungrateful people what they desire, and that is freedom to have rule over themselves without God's <coughs> intervention. He is seal number one. He is a judgment of Jesus against the world.
Okay, so in Daniel, there's several numbers. Let's talk about the 2,300 days, okay? In Daniel, there's several numbers of days mentioned, and this is only the first time that a number of days is mentioned. Remember, he did mention time, times, and half a time. But later on, he's going to mention a couple others. 2,300 days, 1,260 days, 1,290 days, and 1,335 days are all mentioned by Daniel when it comes to the end times. Okay, 230 days is not quite seven years. Um, Mike Bickle believes that uh, like nine months into the seven-year treaty that the Antichrist makes with, uh, with, uh, with uh, Israel, that there will be something that will happen that will start the countdown of this 2,300 days. If you, look at the, if you look at that chart that I gave you, you can see the holy place will be properly uh, – after that, the holy place will be restored, Jerusalem and the temple. The holy place – was properly restored in the days after Antiochus. This is the story of Hanukkah. You know the story of Hanukkah, right? Okay, there was people infesting the temple that were, there was actually a statue of Zeus in the temple that was being sacrificed to alongside like the Ark of the Covenant, although the Ark of the Covenant wasn't there, but it was still there in the temple. Okay, and these, these people called the Maccabees uh, kicked Antiochus out of Rome or out of Jerusalem and they went into the temple. They cleansed the temple and they only had enough oil uh, or, and, and they wanted to set up the, the worship, but they only, had, they, they only had a very small amount of anointing oil and it takes seven days to create more. So they set up the menorah, the giant menorah that, uh, that is supposed to burn in the temple at all times. The Bible says the fire is not supposed to go out. They set up the giant menorah and they got it burning. And that one day's worth of oil lasted eight days. And they still celebrate that on Hanukkah by lighting a menorah with eight things because God did a miracle where only one day of oil actually lasted for eight days. That's why it's called the Festival of Lights and they still celebrate it. And that was the cleansing of the temple then at the time. His power will be mighty, but not by his own power. He will destroy to an extraordinary degree and prosper and perform his will. He will destroy mighty men and the holy uh, people. This is verse 24. So the Antichrist is given power for this particular moment in history, but even his power is limited by God. He will seem endlessly powerful. He will say he's endlessly powerful. That much is for sure. But Christ will come and destroy him in the end. Verse 25. And through his shrewdness, he will cause deceit to succeed in influence. One of the things connected to Antichrist is the thing that the Bible calls the great delusion. Okay. It's spoken of in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. God sends a strong delusion. The Antichrist is the carrier of this delusion. Jesus said that even some of the elect would be fooled by him, possibly, in Matthew 24. He will magnify himself in his heart. He will destroy many while they are at ease. He will even oppose the prince of princes. That's Jesus Christ directly. The battle of Armageddon is a battle between Antichrist and his armies and Jesus. Antichrist loses very fast. Okay? But that's what the Battle of Armageddon actually is. And it's probably, well, anyway, the Battle of Armageddon is a battle between Jesus and we're going to be behind him on white horses, but it doesn't say we're going to do any fighting. It just says Jesus will destroy them with the brightness of of his coming and the sword that comes from his mouth. Okay, so I personally think it's going to be like Skyrim and he's going to be like, Fusroda! You know, it's just going to explode all of the armies. You know, it's going to be awesome. But anyway, who knows, you know. (laughs) he will be broken without human agency he will be sent to the lake of fire 
The vision of the evenings and the mornings, which has been told is true, but keep the vision secret, Daniel. So he shuts up the book because it's for the future. All right. Now we talked about Antiochus Epiphanes. Is this about Antiochus? The answer is yes and no. Okay. Satan can read this letter. And he raised up a demonic man to go to Israel and to make this thing happen because he wants to bring about the Antichrist. But this isn't the complete fulfillment of the prophecy. Okay? Antiochus exerted his dominion towards the south, toward the east. Antiochus murdered other rulers and persecuted the people of Israel. Antiochus blasphemed God and commanded idolatrous worship directed toward himself. Antiochus put a stop to temple sacrifices in Jerusalem. Antiochus desecrated the temple. Antiochus opposed God and seemed to prosper. But... The 2300-day thing doesn't really fit Antiochus, okay? Uh, Gabriel told Daniel twice this is a prophecy about the end times, and Antiochus <laughs> came over 100 years before Jesus. The passages about rising up to the heavens and throwing down stars do not fit Antiochus, but they will fit Antichrist. Satan did not give his authority to Antiochus, but he will give it to the Antichrist. And he did not destroy the temple. He robbed it, but he did not destroy it, and this says that the Antichrist will. Okay, we are done with Daniel chapter 8. Let's go eat. It's in room 46.